With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Are you tired of being sheep? Well, so is he. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. We are not cattle radio. Good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host and shepherd, Jake Counts. Navigating you through this crazy world that we live in. It is the 30th day of January 2014, and we'll be live here for the next hour or so. And I got a guest joining me on the podcast this evening. Now, how I ran into this gentleman is a very interesting story, whether you believe in fate, the universe, what have you. I was out doing my job, and as you all know, I used to do legislative research, and I was out just doing the deal. Um, doing some work with one of my fellow co-workers, stumbled into this office and started having a conversation with the, with the gentleman that actually we have on the air with us now. And um, his story was so fascinating. His company was so fascinating. I just knew I had to circle back with this guy, whether it was from a business opportunity or just to even just chat with him for a few minutes because of what he was doing was so impactful to me and uh, and other people that I know because people are dealing with ailments all the time that they turn to the medical MD people and eventually they just give up and they say, well, we got nothing for you. There's nothing we can do to help. But what was so fascinating is that with this gentleman, he's got treatment that can help. It's outside the box. It used to be basic mainline medicine, but it's since been pushed to the wayside, so to speak. So just to give you a little bit about who he is, uh, Bill Schindler is on the line with us. Uh, Bill Schindler is the director of Hyperbaric PHP located in Buford, Georgia. He's a dynamic speaker who shares his experience and knowledge to educate groups, individuals across the country regarding the benefit of increasing oxygen to the body at a cellular level through the utilization of mild hyperbaric therapy via portable mild hyperbaric chambers. He also presents at seminars, conventions, functions of various organizations, from those from the former, current, future professional athletes, trainers, and sports health care professionals to individuals interested in improving and maintaining their health, anti-aging for those and for those with specific disease conditions. Bill continues to work with the more professional athletes from a variety of sports than anyone in the country. He integrates the relationships that he builds in the areas to bring awareness to his real passion working with adults and children with special needs. Bill started the first mild um, hyperbaric clinic in the country 13 years ago and is currently working with one of the many of the leading doctors, particularly in the areas of autism and trauma brain injury. Now, there is a PHP at the end of the hyperbaric, 
And what does PHP stand for? I actually even asked Bill this when I was there. And PHP stands for People Helping People. From the very beginning, my, and he, this is a quote from Bill, from the very beginning, my mission was to help people in need. In 2001, we opened my first hyperbaric clinic in the country and in Georgia. That mission was in its infancy. Now in 2014, that mission become, has come of age with the opening of hyperbaric PHP in Buford, Georgia. 13 years of, of immense results accumulated in realization of a dream to bring hyperbaric oxygen therapy to more people change more lives, present some, or perhaps someone you know, perhaps even you. And it is his honor and his blessing to work with several families, and we see God's miracles each and every day in our clinic and throughout the country. And that is from Bill Schindler, who is our special guest tonight on the We Are Not Cattle radio show. Bill, thank you so much for joining us, man. Well, Mr. Jake, uh, thank you for uh, letting me come and, uh, and visit with you guys today. It's, it's actually my honor and blessing to be able to share information with uh, families across this country and to your listeners and to the people who are out there that uh, are looking for alternatives to better lifestyles and better health conditions. Now, your story is a, is a unique one, to say the least. Let's get just a, a two-minute bio on um, who Bill Schindler is, and then we'll talk about the um, the history of hyperbaric medicine. Well, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's it's hard to talk about what what you're trying to get accomplished and stuff. But I was a lay person, just as uh, as most people are, and I was introduced to hyperbaric medicine about 13 years ago uh, when the first one of the first chambers had gotten invented. I was brought to Georgia to look at the opportunity to be able to educate, you know, families on hyperbaric medicine. And I never thought I would be here, but it, it, all I can say, it was a calling. I lived in Southern California all my life and my, my family, my wife, grandkids, and everybody's on the, on the West coast. And, uh, I saw this here, I was asked to get involved. And about four days after that there, I went back to Los Angeles two weeks later, quit a job, with a six-figure income, and decided to try to make a difference in the world. So we, we came out to, to Georgia and started the, one of the first clinics in this country, and, you know, the story has gone from there. It's, uh, I'm a much better father, much better grandfather, much better husband, and a much better person in this world for the families that I've had to treat and been introduced to uh, with hyperbaric medicine and all aspects of medicine. So uh, story is short. But the, the work is long, uh, and every day we get a chance to, to change people's lives. Yeah, and that was the interesting thing about coming to your clinic. And I actually was, um, was treated to a um, hyperbaric therapy, and, and one of the things that I, I talked to Bill about before I got into the chamber was the fact that I, I have one lung. And, and it, was a, um, it was an incredible experience from my perspective just from the first time of me doing it. I first off, um, when you're in the chamber for about the first 30 to 45 minutes, you do have a little bit of the panic attack. So, if you're claustrophobic, it's just understand that going in, but understand that there's a benefit to all the um, the challenges that you're going to face. But um, after about 45 minutes, I just did some meditative breathing. Actually, my cell phone battery died, so I couldn't post anything anymore, and did meditative breathing. And um, when I stepped out of the chamber. It was like you stepped out of the deepest sleep that you've ever experienced in your entire life, but you weren't groggy. It was just you were rested, you were rejuvenated, 
but you weren't uh, you weren't amped up. You were just you were just in a state of um, in a very calm consciousness, but yet very aware. So that was my experience. So Bill, let's talk briefly about the um, the history of hyperbaric medicine and what you showed me when I came to your office. Well, uh, Jake, you, you probably noticed that there was a lot of memorabilia that was on the walls. Absolutely. And, uh, it was very, very impressive. Yeah. Uh, when our families come to our clinic, they, they kind of get endorsed in that there. One side of the wall is all on sports memorabilia of patients of, that are mine uh, that I've treated. I have about 400 chambers in the National Football League and, and work with Major League Baseball, uh, basketball, the PGA Tour, uh, Olympic uh, athletes, etc. But on the other wall, you saw pictures and testimonials of all our children, and that's really where my heart's at. Uh, in the hyperbaric world and stuff, there I've, I've been very, very blessed to be able to communicate through the through the sports world with the athletes that I serve. That when they're being interviewed and stuff, there many of them know what we really do at our clinic. And we use that as a podium to really do our real work, which is, you know, working with our children and our adults who have special conditions and diseases. So hyperbaric medicine is not, a, is not new medicine. It's actually been around since about the 16th century. It actually even dates to about 4,500. Uh, but, but interesting enough, it just hasn't been accessible to people like you and I. Matter of fact, uh, Cornelius Drebbel back in the 16th century it created the first atmospheric uh, pressure uh, chamber or so there. And a guy named uh, Cunningham uh, in 1921 and 25 actually produced uh, the, the largest and, and the first hyperbaric chamber in the uh, United States and worldwide uh, out of Ohio. And that was uh, kind of brought up to speed to where we started getting into dive, uh, uh, hyperbaric medicine that was specifically used mostly for divers. But for treatments of, of different uh, conditions and diseases, it was actually used in the 1920s or so. Uh, today, in the world of hyperbaric medicine, and that's kind of why I got involved in all this, I saw the potential for what hyperbaric medicine could do for all types of conditions and diseases. And I'll share more about that as we talk about what is hyperbaric medicine. But the challenge that we have, which I find to be somewhat criminal, is that through the hierarchy of the uh, uh, of the whatever systems it may be, but in our country here in the United States, we only use hyperbaric medicine for about 13 or so uh, conditions, such as uh, commercial divers with the bends, burn victims, flesh-eating bacteria wounds, uh, carbon monoxide poisoning. So if you don't have one of the conditions that the hospital treats, unfortunately, it's not that it doesn't work, but you're not going to have access to it. The equipment can run anywhere from about a half a million to a million dollars, and uh, uh, today's treatments are about $600 to $2,500 an hour. So today we have now have access to hyperbaric medicine uh, through portable hyperbaric chambers, et cetera. Now explain to, um, explain to the audience what you told me when I came by and we were discussing this because it's one of the things that's very uh, I'm very passionate about. I understand that there are... Um, there's um, suppressed medicine and there's um, suppressed treatments. But what you told me was so impactful about um, let's let's not use the hospital um, by name, but there are hospitals that have these chambers and how people can get turned away even if they know that these chambers can bring them benefit. So elaborate on that and, and I'll kind of cover 
what you were talking about with the 13 diseases. So just elaborate on that a little bit more. Well, Jake, again, it's a, it's a really good point. And again, it's the reason why I kind of got involved with this, because we were trying to make sure that all families had access to hyperbaric medicine. And about 13 years ago, when a portable chamber was invented, what it was able to do was to bring hyperbaric medicine to the public. But prior to that, if you wanted to use a hyperbaric chamber, for example, if you had a stroke, well, if your loved one went to the hospital, in that hospital, they, at the bottom of the hospital, they had hyperbaric chambers there. They weren't going to let you have access to that because they only treated the 13 conditions they treated. So even though hyperbaric medicine is able to cross the blood-brain barrier and deliver oxygen and blood flow to parts of the brain that we can't get there, which you would think if the stroke was caused from, from a lack of oxygen to the brain, why wouldn't you use the equipment that was in your own hospital to be able to have access to try to get oxygen back to the brain? But unfortunately, again, it doesn't fall under one of the conditions the hospital would treat. So I'll tell you a funny story that I hadn't told you yet the other day, but I had an MS patient that actually wanted to get hyperbaric medicine, and they realized that they had done a lot of research, and throughout Europe, MS patients use hyperbaric medicine every day. So he tried to go to his local hospital to get hyperbaric treatments, and they told him that he couldn't. And so he said, why? And they said, well, because we only treat certain conditions. So he said to them, if I was in a fire and I was burnt, you would treat me for the burn. And, th and they said, yes, we would. So in order for me to get treatment for MS, I actually have to put myself in the condition that I would be in a fire so that you would treat the, the burn victim or the carbon monoxide poisoning so that I could actually get treatments for MS. So unfortunately, uh, you know, it's kind of crazy that you know, he would never do that, but that's really what the issue is. So typically in the hospitals, we use hyperbaric medicine for wound care and the, some of the indications that I shared with you earlier, but anything else that's off-label use, which basically only what that means is not that it doesn't work, but that the insurance companies aren't going to pay for it. Today in America, every 40 seconds, somebody's having a stroke. And unfortunately, we have whole floors in hospitals that uh, stroke patients are there, and if the insurance companies or the, the, the higher powers of, of to be were to put the indicator of strokes to be able to use for hyperbaric medicine, it literally would bankrupt the insurance companies because there's just that many families are, that you know, have strokes. And we're not even talking about dementia, Alzheimer's, cancers, arthritis, numerous other conditions, Lyme disease, et cetera. So that's the sad part. And that's why I share with you and your listeners that there is hope out there. And that's all any of us can ask for is, is there a tool or something that can help my loved one, whether it's my brother, my mother, my son, my daughter, or my friend that, that we could have access to. And it doesn't matter how good something is if it costs too much money, number one, or you can't get in because you've been blocked. So that's where the portable chambers have come in. It's given us the opportunity to bring hyperbaric medicine to the people. And so that today, there's about 15,000 portable chambers across the United States. There's millions of treatments that are being done every day. MS patients, stroke patients, Parkinson's, dementia, Alzheimer's, uh, cancer, uh, Lyme disease, arthritis, just to name a few, uh, not counting the sports world, who's using it for performance enhancement, endurance energy, and stamina, and to recover from their injuries. Now you, um, like you said, you have the you have the walls divided. Um, no pun intended, obviously. But 
when when you come into your office, you have the you have the wall of um, the athletes, and then you have the wall of the um, of the um, debilitating diseases that you treat. Let's um let's talk about you as a, a in an activist role uh, briefly, and then we'll we'll move on to um, some of the success stories that you've had with your with your treatment. But um, you were a a big part of a movement um, with Jim Carrey that went to Washington called Green the Vaccines. Um, tell us a, a little bit about that movement and um, and what it accomplished. Well, you know what? If I could back up just for a moment, just to tell you how I kind of got involved in any of that. Oh, that's perfect. But, yeah. Because today is actually the anniversary that nine years ago, I met a doctor down in Jacksonville, Florida, named Dr. Julie Buckley, okay. who um, uh, had a small clinic that she treated children with autism. And I was, I was there for the Super Bowl working with a, with a gentleman named Terrell Owens who had broken his leg and ankle, and everybody thought it was impossible for him to recover to play in the Super Bowl. And we delivered a chamber to him down there, and inadvertently, when I was in my travels there, I met a man that introduced me to Dr. Buckley. And so I went to her office and told her about hyperbarics, and she was extremely you know, uh, interested, and she always wanted to get treatments for the children with autism, but couldn't get to it because the hospitals wouldn't let her kids get in. So when I told her about the portable chambers, she was just just dumbfounded. So she wanted to see Terrell Owens' chamber at that time. However, uh, it was in his hotel room, so she couldn't see it. But the day after the Super Bowl, I brought the chamber over to uh, Dr. Buckley's office. She was able to see the chamber. We brought it in her office, and at that time, we treated some children. And that's how I got involved in the autistic uh, community. Uh, when I started uh, learning about autism and the challenges that these kids had, I said to myself, there's got to be something I can do with these families. So that kind of led us to, to uh, working with a lot of other doctors across this country. Dr. Buckley, Dr. Carsonell, and myself did one of the first investigational studies in this country on autism and hyperbaric medicine that led to investigational studies and clinical studies all over the country on hyperbaric medicine and autism. So during that period of time, uh, Jenny McCarthy and Jim Carrey were involved in a, in a march that, that marched from the Washington Monument to the Capitol grounds that had all 50 states represented, uh, Canada and Puerto Rico. There was 10,000 of us that were there. I was at the front of the, the line there, and all the families there brought, brought uh, pictures of their children and signs and et cetera, representing uh, all these children from across the country. Grandmothers were having fundraisers and bake sales just to try to get, you know, uh, uh, bus tickets to get to this place. And we marched to the Washington Monument to make a stand that our children need help. We're not, we're tired of blaming different, uh, different individuals for what could have happened and what happened, but we need help. And that's where I've gotten involved with this here is that these families are out there. Uh, when I got involved, you know, in 1980, it was one out of 10,000 families with autism. When I got involved, it was one out of about 275, and today it's about one out of 50. So, you know, we, we want to share with families that, uh, that this is definitely a, a, is not an epidemic, uh, so to speak. It is, it is worldwide. Uh, something's changed in the last generation or so. Many people believe that it has something to do with the vaccinations that their children have taken. Uh, there's new, when I was a kid, we took four or five shots. Today, our, our, our children are taking numerous shots, and many of those shots have multiple vaccines in it. And in each one of those vaccines, they have all kinds of different chemicals from the marisol to aluminum to lead, et cetera, and our kids just can't handle it anymore. 
Uh, there's obviously a big controversy if that's the truth of the matter, but we're trying to get past that so much and saying, listen, we got to get help for these families. Uh, nobody wants to step up to the plate to get these families the help that they rightfully deserve. And we're all going to be faced with it. And that's why I got involved because I realized that someday my grandchildren are going to have children and something's got to change or we're going to be involved with it also. Well, that's a, that's a really good point because I think one of the things that um, our society does as a whole, and you and I talked about this is that, um, is that typically we'll play the blame game and that's um, you know, it's, it's a divide and conquer strategy that's been used for a long time and they get all of us in fighting with one another, and then you come to the table with, listen, we're, we're not going to blame anybody. We, we know that there's an issue. Let's just let's fix the problem. I mean, obviously, we can figure out what the problem is causing these things, but let's get these people some treatment. Let's get these people something that's going to give them, like you said before, give them hope. So, you know, with that being said, let's talk about some of the success stories that you've had individually, and I, I've seen... Every patient that's come through your office, and I've been there for, for uh, I was there for maybe five hours total, which it felt like 15 minutes because it's just it's such an intense experience being around you and and being around the people that you work with and the people that you help. It's um to see these people and to see these parents and to see what you're doing, how you're impacting them, and you're not only helping them from a from a medical standpoint but you're also helping them from a psychological standpoint because you've seen it you've seen everything you've seen every you know you know every step of what these parents are going through you know the frustrations that they're going to and you can really relate so let's talk um just about a couple of the success stories that you've had and then um i actually think i have um someone on hold here that that is a a, a walking testimonial for you guys so um, briefly, let's go through a couple of the success stories and, 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 the, and the change that you've seen in these children's lives and just some of the little ones that you told me that are just amazing. You know, Jake, it's like I could go on literally for hours, if not days, about telling you the success stories that we've seen at our clinic uh, from all kinds of different conditions. Uh, matter of fact, a guy named Bill Lang who had cancer, throat cancer and stuff, the chamber literally saved his life. And he got so, so excited about having a second chance in this world that he opened up four or five different clinics up in Washington area so he could serve the needs of families in that area. But, you know, we deal a lot. Uh, my uh, expertise is in neurological disorders, so I deal a lot with children with autism, brain injuries, Parkinson's, dementia, strokes, et cetera. But uh, I'll just give you, you know, some, some small tidbits. Give you an example, a girl named Natasha who has part of her brain missing. She has seizures every day. They last for 20 to 25 minutes. She has cerebral palsy in her right hand, no circulation in the lower extremities. She's blind and deaf. Her doctor said there's nothing that can be done for her. We put her in a hyperbaric chamber. The next day, she had a two-minute seizure. It was the shortest seizure that she had ever had in her life. The first month, I reduced the seizures from 781 minutes to less than 110 minutes. She took her first eight steps in life, opened her right hand, and got complete circulation in the lower extremities. Now, we treated, we treated Natasha at our clinic for a year and three months, five days a week at no cost to the family, and then I had a fundraiser where I brought in a bunch of professional athletes, raised enough money, and got a chamber for that family. In the autistic world, just this past Christmas, for example, I had a little boy. The mother's from Bulgaria. Uh, her little boy can't talk. Uh, 
he's got a lot of uh, a lot of our children with autism have neurological uh, challenges and they also have gut issues inflammation etc so they're in pain all the time now, you can only imagine if you couldn't go to the bathroom for six or seven days how you would be constipated how that would how much discomfort that would be and then just to know that you can't speak because you don't have language you would bang your head against a wall and bite and and have, you know, tantrums and meltdowns all the time. Well, this little boy started hyperbarics about a month before Christmas, and during the Christmas holidays, we put a hat on his head, and he would come in, and he started saying his first words. He told his mother, I love you, for the very first time a week before Christmas. The other day in my office, he sat on my lap, and he counted to 20 and was able to do his ABCs. Now, this is a child that couldn't speak before. Uh, I've got an arthritic patient with arthritis that both her hands were closed like claws. She um, uh, was taking anti-inflammatories like candy and Vicodin for the pain. We got her to the clinic at 70 years of age. You know, she was grandma drug addict. Mm -hmm. So we got her to the clinic, and within a couple of weeks, we had her off all the anti-inflammatories. Within a month, we had her off all the Vicodin, and within three months, a massage therapist was able to open her hands, and open up each one of her fingers. I had another child who was in a coma that they sent from a hospital in downtown Atlanta to a, to a uh, uh, you know, a hospice literally to die. He was 17 years of age. He had gotten bitten on a mission trip and had inflammation to his brain, and they said there's nothing else they can do. So the father called me up and asked me if hyperbarics would help, and I said, you have everything to gain and nothing to lose. So he was able to get permission from the medical director at the hospice, we brought a hyperbaric chamber to that hospice. We all uh, stood around the bed, and I told the father that night, I can't promise you anything, but we all prayed over that little boy. He had an open wound on his back the size of a man's fist. Within four days, I got a telephone call from the father who said his son just came out of the coma. They treated him in the chamber for the next month at the hospice to the point they had to kick him out of the hospice because he was living, not dying. So I could go on literally for hours with, uh, with our testimonials for our children mm -hmm. and our adults with MS, strokes. Pam, who was a veteran in the military, tried to get hyperbaric medicine. When she went to go get the uh, treatments, they told her they don't treat strokes. She had an aneurysm and was in a coma for three months. Today, if you saw Pam, when she came to my clinic, she was in a wheelchair, couldn't walk, couldn't talk. She would just stare at you and drool. I told her that we're coming, Pam. You just got to hang in there. Someday you're going to tell me to shut up. That day came. And uh, I'm so proud to know that Miss Pam now is able to go to the American Legions and go dancing with the, with the gentleman there. She drives her own car. She's got her life back. So it's truly amazing that what a little oxygen can do to the body when we're able to saturate the red blood cells, get the oxygen into the plasma, and, and send it to all parts of the body at one time from head to toe and cross that blood-brain barrier. Yeah. Last but not least, I've got a, a gentleman right now from Dubai who fell from a five-story building and broke his neck and uh, his back. He uh, has an incomplete spinal cord injury, and today he's able to move his legs. He's getting strong enough that he's getting core muscles enough that, he, that we hope that he can stand up. The chamber is being used by our athletes for endurance, energy, and stamina, for the same reason a stroke patient needs more energy, endurance, and stamina so they can go through their recovery. It just seems like a logical 
how dare I use logic in this crazy world, but it just seems like a logical treatment, like you said, for stroke. I mean, uh, tell the story of the um, of the doctors. I thought that that was an absolutely hilarious um, uh, kind of slap in the face or a backhand to these doctors, these MDs in their, in their white coats with their eight years of, of schooling, and not to take anything away from them, you know, but but some of them have a little bit of an arrogant God complex. So explain to them what you did to kind of put them in their place from... Well, that's, a, that's always a great story. It's always fun to share it with, uh, with people, especially your listeners. You know, one of the things is I'll have a lot of doctors that will come to the clinic, and, and uh, I have a book, uh, uh, one of four volumes of hyperbaric medicine that's uh, in uh, medical school. And it's interesting because when you open the first page, it talks about the history of hyperbaric medicine. Then it goes into clinical aspects. And when you turn the page, there's about 34 chapters in a very thick book that uh, looks just like this. Matter of fact, I brought the book home, uh, Hyperbaric Medicine. Okay. And if you open up the chapters and stuff in the book, after it shows about the clinical approaches, the second page talks about numerous different conditions that hyperbaric medicine is treated in. Everything from stroke to MS to Parkinson's to gastrological issues, et cetera. So this story that you're, you're referencing back to, Jake, was I was lecturing in Virginia, and there was, there was a, a very large audience of uh, neuro- neurologists, orthopedic surgeons, and parents uh, with children with uh, autism and or brain injuries. And about halfway through the lecture, I showed them some spec scans of before hyperbarics and after, which allows me to show them where the activity of the brain, there was no blood flow, and then 40 treatments later, the brain was lighting up like a Christmas tree. And so I started realizing, though, by the comments from the doctors, they were pretty much kind of headbutting against me. And so I, I stopped talking on stage, and I closed my eyes, and I started praying. And I asked Father, I said, please, Father, give me the words to share with these physicians and all the people in this audience, you know, your love and your mercy on all our families. And let them be open-minded enough just to hear what I have to say. When I opened my eyes, my eyes got adjusted to the room, and I looked straight ahead of me, and there was a little boy and a mother. And so I don't remember too much of this, Jake, after this. Uh, It was just kind of the Holy Spirit, I really believe. (laughs) But uh, I asked this little boy, his mother, if I could bring him up on stage. So everybody's trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And I said, you know, your son is going to help me change the world today. And so everybody started laughing. So I brought some of the tension out of the room. So the little boy comes up on stage, and I ask him his name, and his name was Joshua. I said, hi, Joshua. My name is Mr. Bill. Nice to meet you. I said, Josh, are you, are you willing to help me change the world today? And he starts laughing along with everybody else. So I asked Joshua, I said, uh, Joshua, are you a doctor? He said, no, I'm only eight years old. I said, eight years old? Okay, good. And do you know anything about medicine? He said, no. I'm only eight years old. And so that's good, Josh, because you see, if I wanted somebody that knew everything about medicine that was a doctor, I have plenty of them in the audience. And so the parents started laughing. So then I asked Joshua, do you know what a stroke is, Josh? And he said, no. So I described to him what a stroke was, which was a lack of oxygen to the brain. And what happens is that, you know, that effect causes people to lose sometimes their language, uh, their arm gets bent, they can't walk, they can't function. So basically, it was just a lack of oxygen to the brain. And Josh got very sad, Jake. And when I looked at him, I asked him, are you okay? 
And he said to me, that must be what happened to my grandpa. I said, did your grandpa have a stroke, Josh? And I looked at the mother, and she shook her head up and down. I said, Josh, I am so sorry to hear about your grandpa. Can you tell me what's happened to your grandpa since he had the stroke? Well, Mr. Bill, my grandpa can't come to my baseball games anymore. He, he doesn't talk real good. He can't walk. He's in a wheelchair. And mom puts him aside at dinner time because he gets food everywhere. And I looked at that little boy with my heart and said to him, I am so sorry about your grandpa, Josh, but I believe I might be able to help him. And he looked at me and he said, could you really help my grandpa, Mr. Bill? And I said, all we can do is try, Josh. I said, but I need you to help me. Would you be willing to help me help your grandpa? And he said, sure. Okay, Josh, I'm going to make you an honorary doctor. You are going to be the youngest doctor in this room right now. You're eight years old. I'm going to put a little pin on your shirt, and we're going to call you Dr. Josh. And I have a buddy of mine that's next to me here, and he's in a wheelchair, and he can't walk and talk because he's had a stroke. So I'm going to wheel him up to you, my imaginary friend, and we're going to ask you two questions, Josh, and they're pretty simple. First question is, do you know what a stroke, tell us what a stroke is. So Josh looks at me and says, well, Mr. Bill, you said a stroke is a lack of oxygen to the brain. I said, good job, Josh. Here's the million-dollar question, Josh. If you were a doctor and this gentleman had a stroke, what would you do? And he looked at me, and he looked at everybody, and he said, duh. I said, what do you mean, duh? He said, well, Mr. Bill, that's really easy. I would get more oxygen to his brain. And he was absolutely right. You know, what would happen if I was to get oxygen back to a stroke patient's brain? You know, uh, Jake, it's kind of like if you were going to your front yard and you notice that the grass is all green on the left-hand side, and every day the sprinkler system comes on and waters your grass, but the right side of the sprinkler system's broke, and that grass is all brown. It's not getting any water. So... It doesn't take a real genius to say, well, geez, maybe if I got some water on that side, maybe that grass would come back to life. Well, the brain is similar the same way. Maybe if we got some oxygen back to the brain, it might give us the ability to save the neurons that have been damaged. And that's exactly what happens. We're able to cross the blood-brain barrier, deliver oxygen and blood flow to parts of the brain. We couldn't get there before, and we create new pathways for those neurons. The synopsis start connecting, and all of a sudden we got a man walking out of a wheelchair, a child saying his first word, and whatever may, whatever else may occur. That's incredible. It just really is. And um, I do have uh, actually one of your um, testimonials on the line. Um, I guess she I guess she's a patient also, or not she is, but uh, her son's a patient. Um, and I actually had a, sp- a chance to spend some time with her when I was in the office, and. Um, it's it's really surreal to me when I get around people like yourself that are that are kind of wired the way that I am. I just want to help people. I just want to make sure that I mean, why not maximize our human potential? And it just seems very baffling to me that we do have people out there that would that would do things just because um there's a monetary gain to it. But you know, that being said, let's let's go to the caller here and I, I think that we have her up on the line. Tia, are you on the line? I am, and thanks for having me, Jake. Uh, I'd just like to uh, clarify how I know Bill. I met Bill about nine years ago, right around the time that he met Dr. Buckley, the doctor that he was mentioning earlier. Um, I had sought out hyperbaric therapy because I have fibromyalgia, which is a, a chronic pain condition. 
and I knew instantly uh, when I when I met Bill that I had to be a part of this. It was something like like Bill was talking about earlier. I knew right away. I really wanted to be a part of it, and so um, I'm kind of part of the hyperbaric family going back about nine years now, a little bit more than nine years. I do the website. I've done the website for them for years, and I do all their marketing materials. So um, I'm really blessed to have met Bill when I did. Uh, God had me exactly where I was supposed to be. Uh, my son, Luke, was, who is seven now, was diagnosed with autism when he was two, and it was really because of Bill that he, you know, early diagnosis with autism is, is huge. It's really, really important. And because I had been involved with Bill and knew so much about the, the issue of autism, I was able to notice the early, early warning signs and was able to see Dr. Buckley right away, and he, he got his diagnosis at two. And because of having had access to hyperbaric therapy and other treatments through Dr. Buckley, I mean, He's so high-functioning, and I'm so blessed. I, I can't, it's, it's hard to put into words. Um, one of the things that we as parents of children with autism hope for is what we call losing the diagnosis, which means that if you take, him to, you take your child who has a previous autism diagnosis to a new doctor, they would not see the same symptoms. They would not give that diagnosis. Well, that happened with Luke. It happened recently. And um, that was a big, big day. And it's because he's been going in the chamber since he was a little baby. He right. loves going in the chamber. I'd just like to talk um, for just a minute about what, um, why I believe hyperbaric therapy helps with autism. Sure. One of the factors of autism is toxicity. Uh, there's also gut and immune dysfunction that's going on, which hyperbaric, help, uh, hyperbaric therapy helps tremendously with those issues. Autism, uh, let's see, we've known that toxicity is, is an issue with autism, and hyperbaric therapy helps autism because it aids detoxification at the cellular level. You were talking about vaccines earlier, mm-hmm. and you, um, you know, the, the theory with autism being possibly caused by vaccines is that there's, there's adjuvants, there's things they put in the vaccines besides the, the virus uh, things like thimerosal, and which has gotten a lot of attention because it's mercury-based, and there's other things also by, like aluminum and, and just all kinds of horrible stuff, formal, formaldehyde, just all kinds of toxic stuff. And so if autism can be triggered by toxins, whether uh, the exposure is through environmental sources like food, water, or air, uh, which, by the way, I think plays a big role, it's not just vaccines. can't just be vaccines. Vaccines are a sure. big part of it. But uh, regardless of how the toxins get into our kids, whether it's environmental from, you know, the food, water, or air, or whether it's by vaccines that are injected into the blood, it really stands to reason that supporting the body's ability to detoxify at the cellular level is a good thing. It's kind of like that duh moment that, you know, Bill was talking about with the little kid on the stage, you know. If your problem is toxins um, and you have something that you can do to get those toxins out, what should you do? Do the thing that gets the toxins out. It just makes sense. So, you know, and, and besides that, the truth is that there's literally nothing that the body needs more than oxygen. And we can live for a few days without um, water. We can go for weeks without food, but go without oxygen for a few minutes and you die. 
So there's nothing the body needs more than oxygen, and that's everybody's body. So hyperbaric therapy is not just for people with chronic conditions and illnesses. It's also for healthy people that want to stay healthy. I just wanted to kind of put that out there. No, that's very that's very true. And like I said, I, I, I've got um, one lung, and I, I was an asthmatic growing up, and um, I was telling my father when I left the when I left the treatment center, I didn't even get to share this with Bill, but um, when I was taking deep breaths, I um, number one, my sinuses felt more clear. I, I could actually smell much better than I could before, and number two, I was when I was taking inhalations, and when you've only got one lung, believe me, you know when you're getting a deep breath or not. It was the deepest breaths I was getting, and they were very satisfying breaths. Like I wasn't just moving oxygen. I was really, I was really feeling the difference of, of having um, that high oxygenation in my bloodstream, and it was a, it was a huge benefit. So I mean, I, I can, I can be in a testament to, to what you're saying there for sure. You know, Jake, uh, just for a quick uh, reference point there, sure, is that, you know, listeners are probably trying to understand well, how does hyperbaric medicine actually work? You know, you're breathing uh, in the in the world today at about 21% oxygen. Inside the chamber, we use an oxygen concentrator that separates the oxygen from the nitrogen and henceforth gives us a higher uptake of oxygen in that chamber. But it's not about the oxygen, it's about the pressure. What ends up happening in a hyperbaric chamber, we literally drop you 11 feet below sea level. And because of that pressure, what it does, it allows, there's a law in physics called Henry's Law that says, if I put any gas under pressure, that gas will dissolve into a liquid. So the gas is oxygen, the pressure is the chamber, and the liquid is your, your blood. So we're literally able to saturate the red and white blood cells. Once the cells have been saturated, the excess oxygen dissolves into the plasma and allows me now to bring blood flow and oxygen to all the tissues, all the organs, all the glands, and the bone density of the human body at one time from head to toe. And it does this, by the way, with no drugs, no side effects, and it's not evasive. So we don't, you know, we don't have any... You know, challenges. That's one of the reasons why the FDA has approved hyperbaric medicine for in-home use with a prescription. You know, at our clinic, we treat all kinds of conditions. You were just naming some of those. But the chamber was originally uh, invented for acute mountain sickness, which was a lack of oxygen at high altitudes, which causes the organs to shut down. The last one is causing migraine and cluster headaches. So we treat at our clinic Everything from migraine headaches, cluster headaches, asthma and allergies, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, skin disorders, circulatory issues, arthritis, to the more serious conditions like dementia, autism, stroke, MS, pre- and post-surgery, cancers, uh, all your bacteria and viruses, and then to the last group, the athletes that we serve. Absolutely. So, um, Tia, do you, um, do you got anything else before um, to finish up here with us? Uh, no, uh, unless you want me to give uh, some information about where people can go for more information. I could do that at the end if you want. Sure, Give the sure, website, I'll... the phone number, yeah. and that kind of stuff. If you, if you, if you want to um, if you want to give that now, that's fine, because I'm sure there's people, you know, sporadically pulling in and out. If you want to give that now, and also I'll put a link to the, uh, to the website in the show notes for the show page and also in the, uh, at the end of the YouTube video that I'm going to create as well. So you guys can look for this on my YouTube channel, which I'll share with you guys as well. But go ahead, because I'm sure that we got people that are probably dying to figure out where they can learn more about hyperbaric therapy and also how to contact you guys. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we are on the web. We have a website, and that website is www.hyperbaricphp.com. And I will spell that. That's H 
Y-P-E-R-B-A-R-I-C-P-H-P.com. And we are in the city of Buford. Um, the phone number at the clinic is 678-765-7220. You can reach Bill at uh, htcbill at yahoo.com. That's his email. And I think um, if, you're, if you're on Facebook, you can find us on Facebook. It's um, Hyperbaric PHP and on Twitter at Hyperbaric PHP. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for the call, and that's really great news to hear that um, that your son has actually gotten to that point where he is. Um, I, I can't remember what your your clinical term was for it, where he is um, is no Lost longer. Lost the diagnosis. Well, that's what they say is, is losing the diagnosis. It doesn't mean he doesn't have autism. It just means that those criteria that we use to diagnose autism didn't present when the doctor saw him. So we still have a lot of work to go. I mean, it's it's it, we're celebrating, but we also know there's there's still a long road ahead, and that's what parents with uh, kids with autism, you know, that's what we we know going in. But but you need to have hope that it can improve, and it certainly can improve. And there's a lot of things that we're doing now that are helping our kids. And and Bill is a great resource, not just for hyperbaric therapy, but for uh, access to other things. So um, that's part of what the PHP. Uh, part of hyperbaric PHP, that people helping people thing is it's not just about hyperbaric. Um, and 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 if you get to know Bill, you'll you'll see this. He's just so overflowing with love, and it's it's a real love. It's not um, it's so genuine that you just can't help but love the guy. Um, but Absolutely. the the fact that uh, what we're doing is is trying to change people's lives and improve their health and. You know, everybody's got somebody in their family that's suffering, whether it's a grandfather that's had a stroke or it's an aging mother with Alzheimer's or a child with a cerebral palsy. There's there's just so many hurting people out there, and, and we want to help those people. So reach out to us, and, um, you know, we, we'd really like to help you. Oh, thank you so thank you so much for the call, and, and keep up the great <laughs> there. And um, we're going we're gonna to let Tia go, but... Um, Bill, she's 100% right, man. I don't mean to gush over you, but you are a very um you are a very excitable person and uh, very passionate and it's genuine. It, it is real. So let's talk um let's talk about hyperbaric PHP, the history of hyperbaric PHP. How um how you brought this to Georgia and and how you <laughs> built um this and if you can touch on it um can you touch on the case study that you guys are doing or is that going to have to wait until later? Well, we can talk a little bit about that. Excellent. Uh, interesting enough, it's, uh, you know, Tiandra represents one out of thousands upon thousands of families in this country. And they've got children that um, are very high-functioning. Uh, we call them Asperger's children. Mm-hmm. Uh, to children that are extremely low-functioning, they can't walk, they can't function, and what have you. Mm-hmm. And these, these moms really are the true doctors of the world because they're the ones that are finding answers out. So, uh, you know, I'm very, very blessed and very, very honored. It's my, my privilege to work with these families. As I tell the parents at our clinic, these children have an automatic ticket to the kingdom of heaven. And why would I not want to be around them? Why would I not want to hug them? Why would I not want to play with them? Today in my clinic, I had one of my kids on the ground tickling them and making them laugh. And the mother says, the only time he is like that is when he's around you. 
I said, because I treat them just like they're my own grandchildren. You know, if we, if we treated everybody just because they can't talk or can't walk or can't function in certain ways, but treat them like, like they, they can, mm-hmm. you'll be very surprised. So the old concept of, uh, because I had another clinic called the Hyperbaric Therapy Center, and when I moved locations with Dr. Bradstreet to another location, I knew that something needed to change. And so we renamed the clinic Hyperbaric PHP because it was more about not hyperbaric. It was more about people helping people. In my clinic, what I try to do is encourage families to talk to each other. So if I have a stroke patient there that's new, I want them to talk to a stroke patient who's had treatments. I don't want to hide those people. I, if, it, if it's not helping them, let them say it. If it is helping them, then let, let them say that. The idea is to try to help people help each other. You know, share ideas, share concepts. What else are they doing? Um, you know, help them make connections within the community of other resources that they may have uh, that has nothing to do with hyperbarics. But I wanted, to, I wanted our clinic to be a part of that. In our clinic, I wanted to make sure that all families had access to hyperbaric medicine, that money was not a reason that they didn't have access to it. I can't say that, you know, I can't control everything that happens across the world, but right now about 60% of all our families right now aren't paying anything because they don't have the funds for hyperbarics. So I'm not going to turn those families down. We'll find a way to try to help them. And even uh, the families that are paying in our clinic, we want to make sure that they're getting enough time so that their, rec- their recovery goes. So the whole concept is, is people have to help people. I mean, I have to be concerned about it because, as I said earlier, I don't have a grandchild or a family member with autism when I first got involved. Three years later, my, at a wedding, we had a niece come up to us and ask us, uh, my wife, Uncle Billy works with children with autism. No, we have a daughter that is licking glass. She stares in front of uh, drawers and, and plays with latches for hours upon hours. Um, you know, do you think that something's going on? We try to get help, but they always keep saying developmental delay. And so finally, I got the family member hooked up with Dr. Buckley. And then Dr. Buckley said, your, your niece has uh, autism. And then I knew I was in for a war. Now, now it became personal. Mm-hmm. And we're all going to be affected by this. So it, the, truly the, the, the backbone of this company is not me by any means. Right. The backbone is all the families that I serve because they're people helping people. And that's, that's really the, the bottom line of it. We've always kept that philosophy and, well, and always will. And you can really tell the, the energy that you guys put off. When, when I was walking through the clinic, the interaction you have with the doctors, the interaction you guys have with the staff. Heck, the interaction you had with the sales guy that just walked in off the street and you didn't even know him from Adam. And you sit me in like, um, like we've known each other for years and you have conversations with me and the gentleman that I was riding with. And it was, it's one of those moments that whether it's the universe, whether it's fate, whether it's whatever – I knew that I had to get back in front of you, and I knew I had to talk to you, and I knew I had to, even if it was for my own personal, find out what made this guy tick. And when you get around Bill and you hear his story, and I don't want him to go into his personal story on air because um, that's, that's personal, but I've heard some of his background, and it's, it's amazing. And people like you, and people, and I don't want to mean people like myself, but we understand the concept that... If, if, if we all just reach out and if we all – because, listen, 
There are a lot of people in this world that are selfish. Yes, you're taught to be selfish. Yes, you're taught to be self-absorbed. Television teaches you that. And some of these other things that we have around us that are bad influences teach us that. But we have to get past that, and we have to move to the human interaction, which is what we talk about on my show all the time. Strike up a conversation with a person in the grocery store. Strike up a conversation with a store in the bank line. And I guarantee you that Bill strikes up conversations with people wherever he goes because he's just that kind of a person. He's just, he's just trying to be human. He's trying to help people. He's trying to connect. And, and I don't know what else to say, man. I, I know I'm gushing over you here, but you are just an absolute joy to be around. But um, we got about eight minutes left. What else do you want to get into? What, do you, what else do you think people need to know about hyperbaric therapy and, and, and um, just, the, just the organization in general? Well, I, you know, just hearing you speak and stuff there, I just wanted to share this. There, you know, we like to uh, get books in our family's hands that uh, help them uh, just deal with life better. There's a, there's a gentleman by the name of Og Mandino who writes a book called The Greatest Miracle. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it's about, you know, basically that we are the greatest miracle, you and I. And each one of us should be treated as something special because we are. We may not have, we may have challenges, but we're all special. But there's another book called... Uh, Who Moved My Cheese, which is a business book, which is a great little book. Uh, I like to, you know, suggest it to your readers. But in the book, there's these two mice, and and the mice are trying to find different ways to make their life better, right? Mm -hmm. And so some mice are just kind of hanging out at the cheese station thinking the cheese is going to show up again. And other mice are very scared. And they say, well, the cheese ain't coming, so we've got to go find it. And I kind of look at medicine that same kind of way. Who Moved My Cheese? If I don't go out of my box, go outside the box, and go down a little corridor in a maze, and yes, I'm going to run into some dead ends, and yes, I'm going to run into some areas that are probably not going to be the right one, but maybe I'm going to make one right turn, and I'm going to find, you know, the fountain of youth, so to speak, which would mean to help me get better at whatever condition or disease I have. So there's one sentence, there's one piece of cheese that they have these little quotes on, and I kind of live my life that way. That statement says... What would you do if you weren't afraid? (laughs) Let me repeat it. What would you do if you weren't afraid? And so I kind of live by that. So if I see somebody down the street and they're in a wheelchair or so, and rather than walk by them and say, you know, I have something that might be able to help them, but I let my, my fear of walking up to them and introducing myself and sharing what I can do because, you know, I'm afraid, then I'm never going to walk up to that person and say anything. But what I what I do if I wasn't afraid? I would walk up to the person and say, hey, how are you doing there? Smile at them. You know, what's wrong with your son or your daughter or what have you? And, you know, that's how I met Natasha, the little girl with the brain injury with seizures. They were in a CC's pizza, and I walked up to the family and said, is this your daughter? And they said, yes. And I said, what's wrong? And so they told me their story, and I said, I might be able to help you. But all of us, you know, what would we do if we weren't afraid? we would probably live in this world a heck of a lot differently because we would do the things that, would, that wouldn't hold us back. Fear holds us all back. Fear that if we go to our doctors and the doctor turns around and says there's nothing that we can do, then the reality is we buy into that because that's what the doctor said. Well, you know, I'll, I'll leave you on this analogy. If in the 16th century or so I decided that I was going to change because I'm going to sail around the world. And I told my buddies, hey, guys, I'm going to go try sailing around the world. And everybody would laugh at me. They said, you can't do that. The world's flat. 
you're going to fall off the face of the earth. See, can't you see the edge over there? And I said, no, I'm going to sail around the world. And then I go out and I sail and I sail around the world. Well, the world, the world was always round. So don't let anybody ever tell you that there isn't hope. Don't ever let anybody tell you that just give up. You know, just, just, you know, this is just the way it is. Because tomorrow, somebody could come up with another type of situation that could change somebody's life. And we just believe that hyperbaric medicine can change many lives. It already has changed many lives and will continue to. So the real question that you can ask all your listeners, what would you do if you weren't afraid? Would you make a telephone call? Would you try to seek out other alternative medicine? Because what is alternative medicine? Alternative medicine is really traditional medicine that now doctors that have been medically trained traditionally have said to themselves, this isn't working anymore. And so now I try something different and it's working. So maybe I've gone from taking a pharmaceutical drug of Lipitor for cholesterol or whatever the case may be, and I use something that's more on the natural side and find out I'm getting results. Or maybe I go to Europe and find out that all the families with multiple cirrhosis are using hyperbaric chambers, and why aren't we using those chambers here in the United States? So again, what would you do if you weren't afraid? Don't let anybody, you know, pop your bubble. There's always something that can be done. And if anybody ever tells you that there's nothing that can be done for your loved one, you know, they have cancer, and that's, you know, there's, we've done everything we can, then, 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 then ask yourself this question. Really what he's telling me is that he doesn't have any more knowledge. He doesn't have any more answers. He can't help me anymore. So rather than that doctor or, or person say, listen, I've done the best that I possibly can to help you, I don't have any more answers, but don't ever give up. I'm, there's probably something out there that I don't know about, and you need to uh, investigate all your options and all your, your opportunities. Well, I think that's a great way to, to leave it. And um, once again, I, I really took that to heart because, in all honesty, I was somewhat afraid to contact you when I was going to reach out to you and tell you to come, ask you to come onto my show. Because it is a little bit intimidating when you're uh, somebody that used to be a sports fan and you look up on the side of the wall and you see people like Terrell Owens, Tim Tebow, and all these guys with autographed pictures of you and, and bodybuilders and Sylvester Stallone, it's pretty intimidating for somebody just walking in off the street. But then again, I got past the fear and said, you know what? What's the worst that this guy's going to say? No, I'm not going to come to your radio show. But it was the exact opposite, and I think that people can learn from that. If you step up to the plate, if you get past the fear, then – you're going to find that you're number one that life wasn't as tough as you thought it was, and number two, it's going to there's so much more benefit to doing something and trying something than there is to just sit there and be afraid of it. So quickly, Bill, why don't you um, give out the contact info one more time, and then uh, then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, I will. But let me just put this analogy out there. Sure. Fear stands for false evidence appearing real. <laughs> okay. Perfect. And and the, and the reality is, Jake, every person that I come across is a, another person. When you came in my office that day and you guys were trying to talk to me about politics, and I, and I listened to what you said, and then I turned it around and said, hey, let me share with you what we did. You're sitting across the table from me. Heck, I don't know if you've got a mother or father at home that's had a stroke or MS. Why would I not you know, reach out to you? And look at what happened. If it wasn't for that day, you wouldn't have come back. 
If you hadn't come back, we wouldn't be on this show today talking to your listeners. Mm-hmm. And who knows? If I, can, if I can help change one person, just one, that's listening tonight, their life, then, then our mission has been accomplished in people helping people. So again, uh, my name is Bill Schindler. You can reach me on email. My email address is htcbill, B-I-L-L, at yahoo.com. You can reach me on my cell phone uh, at 678-794-5863. You can also reach us at, at the clinic there. The phone number for the clinic is 678-765-7220. And the website is www.hyperbaric.php. And that's spelled H-Y-B-A-R. I or excuse me, H-Y-P-E-R-B-A-R-I-C-P-H-P, hyperbaric. Have to think about that one. That's all right. That's all right, man. Um, you've been you've been carrying the show, so uh, I really do appreciate it. And and as I said, um, I'm going to put this up on YouTube, everyone. So I'll put the the links to the website, uh, Bill's contact info, um, in the uh, in the YouTube video. I'll also post this to my website, WeAreNotKettle.net, and you will find the links to his website and this YouTube video as well in the um, in the show links at the very bottom. So. Once again, this is, uh, this is information that can help almost anybody. I have experienced the hyperbaric therapy. I will definitely go back again just because of what I have experienced. And um, like Bill said, everybody knows somebody. And uh, don't be afraid to engage your fellow human being. We're all, on this, you know, we're all on this planet together. Let's try to engage with one another and help somebody. And I think that you'll find if you help somebody out, your life, as I've said before, even get out and you know, getting out and doing activism and protesting and meeting people and doing stuff that you really do believe in, you're going to find that your life has a, a lot more meaning and it, and it gives you a little bit more pep in your step. So thank you so much to Bill Schindler for, for joining us. Hey, on just, uh, one more quick thing for you. Uh, if you can tell your listeners out there that uh, if they live somewhere in the area or so or, or, or reaching out in this area at all in, in, in Georgia, Mm-hmm. Uh, I invite them to come to the clinic. I give everybody a free treatment. It doesn't cost anybody anything, so they can experience it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we sit down and educate them about it. The biggest thing that you can do for fe- uh, families is educate them. If you give them the education, you give them the power of choice where they can make decisions that are best for them. Absolutely, man. And that's um, that's the philosophy of what we talk about here on the show all the time is is educate yourself, know what your options are, and then it's up to you what you do with the information. So once again, thank you, Bill Schindler, so much for the time. Yeah, God bless all of you. Absolutely. And uh, that's it for the show, everybody. Remember, get a friend, get informed, get involved, and interact with your fellow humans. And let's try to change the planet. Take care, everybody. Oh, you deserve your Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.